We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. What is going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to another episode here of your go-to Pacers podcast. Setting the pace, closing out the year strong. Happy Thursday, everybody. We are back, and this time I've got Fachi here to help me with the mailbag. I, I, I couldn't ask him to join me on Christmas Day. I just felt like, you know, dad of a six-month-year-old baby. I, I can't be taking him away from his family for Christmas, so you got to bear with me doing the mailbag by myself. But Fachi's here to help me. Not have to carry the entire load of this mail. So, Fachi, thanks for joining, man. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. A lot of mail. I think it's uh, too much of a job for just one person. So, we got the mail on us today. We got the, the the best listeners in the game. So, we appreciate everybody that submitted questions. Trying to get to as many as we can. But those of you, always great to see the the names from the past, names over the last few years, always also great to see some new names, mm-hmm. which is what we saw, you know, recently. So I just wanted to thank everybody. But Alex, kick us off with the first mail. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do eight questions today, and then we're gonna also have another episode for you guys out. I believe probably Saturday, Saturday morning to kind of do another mailbag. We're gonna try to close out the month very strong for you guys. And then we'll be back on Sunday to close it out with a Knicks recap. So we got we got a lot of content coming your way. So if oh, you yeah. didn't hear your question, it's going to be answered. It just might not be on one of the next episodes, uh, one of the next two episodes. But going to get things started off with a faithful listener. Always a great sender ender of the questions. DJ Davis, he said, with Halliburton becoming a superstar, who makes everyone around him better? Who do you believe the Pacers can realistically trade for? Uh to the for the Pacers to make them better now, but possibly greater next year. Think about Sabonis plus for Halle Buddy plus. Man, in terms of one of those players that you know, the guys like Halliburton don't really grow on trees. My hope is that I feel that you could 
get an OG or Pascal Siakam. I do think that those players are available. And I know those names have kind of been dragged through the mud, but as of right now, it feels like two players that make sense for this Indiana team because I know the sexy name is like Mikhail Bridges. I, I just think that that's going to cost an arm and a leg. And then one of the things that I also thought when you talked about, think about Sabonis for, you know, Halliburton and Buddy, it's whoever you're looking to get that's going to make a difference on this team, it's going to cost a decent amount. I mean, we're not going to get a player that you're really thinking is going to make a big difference for, say, McConnell and Nwora. I think that you, you do have to be looking at right now, is a player like a Bruce Brown or, or a Jarris Walker in a first-round pick kind of what you're looking at if you're trying to make a, a bigger splash? Because Siakam is not going to come cheap. But then there's also players like Buddy Heald, who's an expiring contract. You know, you have TJ McConnell essentially in a spot. He's got about $5 million guaranteed uh, for next season. So I just feel that the Pacers, if they really want to bring in anyone, there's a few players that could have to be on the move because they only have three players making above $9 million. That's Bruce Brown, Miles Turner, and Buddy Heald. So like, you have to ask yourself, how much are you willing to give up to bring in a player of an OG or Pascal Siakam's caliber? It's not going to come cheap, but those are the two players that I feel are most available that the Pacers could very much have interest in. Yeah, and it's kind of an interesting uh, dynamic when you look at where the Pacers were with that Kings trade. They were the team trading away their all-star to go out and get a young, unproven talent in Tyrese Halliburton, and they had to take on what looked like bad salary of Buddy Hield, and they had the expiring of Tristan Thompson to kind of make things work out. And the Pacers sent out Sabonis. So, obviously, Holiday and Lamb were thrown into the deal as well. I don't think those were, like, you know, big needle movers. But it was basically Sabonis for Halliburton with salary uh, centered around it. But I will just say this. The Pacers now are on the opposite side of things where they're probably looking to acquire a player of Sabonis's level. And that is a multi-time All-Star or someone that's going to positively impact the Pacers and push them towards winning. Where the Pacers at the time when they made that trade with the Kings were looking to rebuild. And is there a team out there that's looking to kind of rebuild? Could there be a player that they would be interested in going after? Because right now the Pacers do not have that Sabonis type of player on their roster to trade away like they could to get Halliburton. So you're talking about Ben Mather and Jairus Walker, Andrew Nimhart kind of being the main trade chips if you're trying to go out there and make a splash and move like a Sabonis. And I would be kind of surprised if, the Pacers wanted to do that at this point, knowing where they're at with their youth movement. I could see them being willing to maybe part with a Matherin or a Jairus Walker if it's for the right player. But at the same time, nobody thought Tyrese Halliburton to Indiana was a realistic thing. The only time we had heard Halliburton's name was when it was centered around Ben Simmons and the whole saga going on with the Philadelphia 76ers. So if there is a name that maybe kind of leaks out there, but it doesn't really leak out, that is an established player because Sabonis's name really wasn't on the market. It was more like, oh, they're going to trade Turner. No. And it's like mm -hmm. they could trade Sabonis, but nobody thought they were. And I don't think the Pacers planned on it until they realized that they could get Halliburton with them. So to me, it's probably going to be some kind of salary filler, whether it's Buddy or Bruce Brown with a Mather and with a Jairus Walker to kind of make one of those deals happen. But I don't necessarily know if the Pacers would say, okay, let's throw Matherin's contract with Buddy to go out there and get Pascal Siakam who's on an expiring. I think that's a little bit up, you know, too high up on the Pacers price range for what they want to do, but that's, that's kind of the tough spot they're in, Fudge. I, I completely agree. And could you imagine if the Pacers did do that and then you disrupt kind of the locker, if 
Siakam walks, and then you disrupt what you had of Buddy having great chemistry with his team, Matherin being a young player that you're looking to build upon. It's just too risky. But some of the best trades, they come out of nowhere. That happens every year that you never expect. I mean, look at Damian Lillard. Nobody expected Damian Lillard to get traded to the Bucks. Drew Holiday ends up on the Celtics. Like Those, those things, they, they happen all the time, so I think that's probably what's going to happen. But the Pacers, best believe it, they're making calls. They always do. But question number two, we have Garrett. He said, who do you think is the ideal fit to help lift the pressure off Halliburton so he can continue to dominate without being double teamed? This is a good question. Um, I don't really know if there's somebody out there right now that could be available that really makes you feel like this is the perfect fit. I would say on this team right now, I still think it's Andrew Nimhart. I know that's probably kind of crazy to say, but I just feel like he's a smart enough basketball player that he can kind of help alleviate that load. And we even saw the Pacers start out against the Rockets with Nimhart kind of running the offense and bringing Tyrese off the ball. We're going to see more wrinkles of that where Ty is not necessarily always being the primary ball handler. Now, if there's a player out there that I think can do some playmaking that could be available, I mean, Pascal can do it. And, you know, Pascal can kind of be a score-first guy, and that's kind of why I like him. I don't think OG is necessarily that type of player, but I think Pascal's been put in that position where he's had to kind of be a go-to guy. Um, I, I really don't know much about Mikael Bridges in terms of his, like, playmaking. I feel like he's more of a score-shooter kind of guy. But if you're, if you're trying to assists. go, yeah, so not really like he can make the right pass when he needs to, but he's not a playmaker type of yeah. guy. I would say somebody that it's going to cost you salary, but I don't think it's going to cost you any assets is someone like a Gordon Hayward. And that's a veteran type of player that can play a wing position that can also be uh, a playmaker. But at the same time, you're not breaking the bank with it. So those are my three names. I don't really feel great about any of them besides just saying, I think right now Nimhart's probably the best bet. Yeah, it almost feels like an inside joke between Pacer fans that somehow Gordon Hayward's name always comes up. Like this contract. On this podcast It's a four-year deal, but it feels like, yes, this four-year contract feels like it's never-ending. He's finally expiring, and it just feels like, well, it makes a lot of sense. And it does because he could be had for very cheap. Like when you're talking about who's the ideal fit to help lift that pressure off Halliburton, I don't think he's on this roster. I don't. And some of the players that I'm interested in, I don't know if they're really available. Like I, I love Mikel Bridges. I love him, but like it's going to cost an arm and a leg. I don't think it's going to happen. Siakam, like, yeah, look, I think that'd be great. He could, as a, as a big man, he could move the ball. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that he could do. You know, you mentioned for, for Bridges before, he's averaging four assists, which means that he can make plays. If you're looking for more of a score of someone that, like, maybe could be available, but I don't think it happens at any point because he's not playing great defense. Brendan Ingram is someone we've brought up where yeah. Ingram, I mean, that, that man could drop buckets and would obviously draw double teams of his own, but that's going to cost a lot. And is that the player that you really want to go kind of all in on, knowing that you're already a bad defensive team? So I'm not exactly sure who the perfect fit is, but I think that right now that player is not on this team. And if you're looking for the perfect fit, well, you better be willing to give up a lot. And I think that right now the Pacers need to be able to come to the conclusion of who's untouchable and who's not. Because as it relates to draft picks right now, I don't care about picks the way I used to. I don't think those two first-round picks are going to be able to contribute much moving forward. It's going to come down to, hey, when the when the right player becomes available, the Pacers 
have to be ready to say these guys are available and maybe one or two players are not. So we'll see what happens. I wish I had a better answer for you right now of who's the perfect fit, but I didn't want to unrealistically throw out names that are never going to become an Indiana. Yeah. Now let me throw a realistic name out to you that I don't think anybody would be excited about yeah. having. But if it was like for maybe like a buddy straight up kind of trade, maybe throw in like a Nawara with it just to make the salaries match. But what about Malcolm Brogdon? Bring him back. Oh, are, are we doing this? Is there like a camera am I on punked or something? Uh, no. I'm just asking uh, I'm, because no. he's a secondary ball handler. Yeah. He can guard a little bit bigger position. He's, I mean, he torched the Pacers when he was with the Blazers, right? He definitely did. He, yeah, definitely he can shoot the basketball the pretty well and not asking him to be the guy. Could that help? I mean, obviously, Carlisle liked him from Virginia. They wanted him to go to a team where he could win, but he even doesn't really mind playing the role that he's playing with Portland. Just kind of throwing it out there. I'm out. I'm out on Brogdon. I think it's just I've been down that road before. He still also has, I want to say, like $45 million remaining Does he really? on his contract. Yeah, because remember we signed him that extension two, two that extension. I always hated. You thought was was good. It yeah. helped trade him. I, I, I know, but I hated that extension. Knowing it's like, what did the Pacers just do? Yes, it helped to trade him, but if we had been stuck with the still two more years left on that deal, it would not have been good. So Brogdon, I just feel that unfortunately can't stay healthy. Good player, definitely. But uh, I'm going to pass on that. It's it's not a bad deal. It's just that we've been down that road before. I understand, and I probably wouldn't want to do it either, but I'm just throwing it out there <laughs> as a potential We're spitballing here. I'm just I'm just throwing names yeah. out there that are different than the ones we've always talked about that are on like bad uh, rosters, agree. you know trying yep. to find something that might stick if people are interested. But let's keep it moving here. Coach Brian wants to know, who or what would you sacrifice for a slightly improved defensive team on a nightly basis? Or should we just sit back and appreciate a team roster that can really score it? No, but we cannot sit back and just be like, eh, they'll figure this out. Uh, <laughs> at this point, look, we need to sacrifice some offense for better defense. It wouldn't shock me for Indiana to use both those first round picks, you know, in a deal because I just feel that right now you can't really find playing time for the two players that you just drafted in the first round, Jarris Walker and Ben Shepard. So why bring in more players? I, I just, I don't feel great about it, but at this point, I feel like you got Buddy Heald, you got TJ McConnell, you got Jordan Awara, all are players that are either expiring or don't have much money left. Then there's Bruce Brown, and and a first round pick could bring in, you know, uh, a player of, of of bigger caliber. Because I feel like I mentioned earlier, Pacers only have three players making above nine million dollars, so it's tricky. You're not going to trade Jordan Awar and get back something that can really help you out. It's going to take either you know McConnell Awar and a first round pick to bring in someone, or it's going to take. Buddy or Bruce in a first-round pick. I don't think that Turner's on the table. Uh, so I just feel that right now I'm fine parting with those first-round picks. But as you can see, the Pacers know they needed to make changes. We saw changes the other night when they switched up the starting lineup, brought in Jalen Smith, brought in uh, Andrew Nemhard, brought in Aaron Neesmith. You know, uh, it, it worked for, for at least one game. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but we can't just sit here and say, we're going to be all right. It looks like that meme where the, the building's on fire and it's like, hmm, everything's fine or everything's all right. The guy's like sipping coffee or something. We need to make some changes. A trade needs to happen at some point. Those first round picks, I'm willing to part with them.
Yeah, I mean, I think that any of the guys that are really on expiring contracts this year, you'd probably be okay with it. Uh, I mean, yep. even Obi Toppin, someone they just traded for, I think they could easily move off of him if you know it makes sense. And he's like the Ross, like the the salary filler for a trade to go out there and get the right piece for this team. But you're you're right; they got to get better defensively. They got to continue to add defensive pieces to this roster. And you have to know that with also knowing that Tyrese is not a defensive type of player, nope. that teams are going to target. So you got to continue to put defensive-minded guys around him, and I think that that's what they did with making the, the starting lineup change. They were like, okay, Obi and Buddy are bad defenders, so we're relying so much on Bruce and Miles. We cannot do this anymore. Obviously, Bruce was hurt, so they continued to go with Nimhart at the two. But throwing in an Eastmith and a Jalen Smith, like you know, Jalen Smith, really good rebounder secondary rim protector like that was the whole point of him starting with miles to start the year last year um it was hopeful like oh maybe he can hit his three-point shot at a high clip and he went one of four i believe it was against the against the rockets on tuesday night and didn't shoot like we've seen him shoot well like before but he he had some good looks they just didn't fall so hopefully he'll knock those down if he's given more of an opportunity but yeah they just they, they have to find the defensive minded guys Fachi, to get better and like I said, the picks, it's a good point. You brought it up. They're not really that valuable to me, especially knowing like your eighth overall pick couldn't even play this year really a lot so far, Jarris Walker. And it's just, it's a work in progress. He's a young guy, but even Ben Shepard, who was four-year college student, still can't see the floor very much. So I don't think the Pacers really want to keep investing in young talent with how young their roster currently is. And as they're trying to make strides to become a playoff team and kind of be more of a serious threat in the Eastern Conference. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I just think bringing two more first-round rookies would be a major mistake. You can make an argument bringing in one more could be a mistake. So it just feels that at least one of those first-round picks has to be traded. Could you continue to punt that pick down the line? You could, but that's kind of preventing this team from being able to get better short-term. So it feels that when you made that trade to acquire that extra first round pick it was to make a deal at the deadline or in the offseason but you were not going to draft with both first round picks so i'm going to part with those but i do for now want to hold on to the jarris walkers and, and the ben matherins of this team there are other players that could be moved um but next question that we have uh aman bakshi said and i hope i pronounced that right said an in-season tournament and all-star game 
we'll put a spotlight on Indiana. What can or should the team do to improve fan engagement, both in ticket and TV exposure? Surely this expansion and fan base can entice more big market players to join the Pacers. No? Okay, so the, the simple answer to this is win basketball games. Yes. If, if they can win games, they're going to be put on TV more and get more notoriety. Uh, you saw what happened when they won in the in-season tournament. They started getting a lot of love and praise from national media because they had to talk about them. And then that did. I'm so tired of hearing it already. But it's like, oh, they had a run in the in-season tournament. Now they got a target on their back. It's like, oh, my God. It's such an over-talked-about narrative. Sure, it's partially true, and the, and the team and the players have talked about it. They've been asked about it. But it's like, no, the Houston Rockets, when they played the Pacers, it was not like a, oh, we got to beat them because they made it to the in-season tournament championship. That was like three weeks ago. It's like, no. Yeah. They want to win games because they're trying to get into the playoffs themselves. I think it's a lot bigger than what people are making it out to be. Uh, there's other aspects of why the Pacers are, are seeing different types of coverage and why they have struggled. But, yeah, I just think if they can win basketball games, it's going to help. And, honestly, if you can get into the playoffs and show what you're capable of, you have a Hall of Fame coach in Rick Carlisle that the fan base seems to not like that much on social media, but I feel like I've never seen them embrace a coach so far since I've really been doing the podcast. So they're always going to have their complaints, and everything's the coach's fault when the players don't execute right. But I will say this. You have Tyrese Halliburton. You have a young superstar that's ascending before us right now that is one of the most charismatic personalities in the NBA that people love. I think that with him and winning, you're going to attract people. Yes, it is a small market, Fonchi, but I, I, I still think that fans will come climbing back. We saw the response from the in-season tournament run, how excited fans were, and the disappointment that followed after kind of killed some of that momentum that was going. But if they have won like the next five of the seven games, you're going to see sellout crowds almost every night in Cambridge, Philadelphia. The Pacers have to win games and be relevant while the Colts are relevant. Couldn't have said it better myself. It, it comes down to winning. This isn't like you're not going to, you know, come out with some ticket promotion. I mean, Bally's got to fix what, what they got going on with their TVs. I mean, the beginning of the season, Pacer fans couldn't even watch Pacer games consistently. That's a problem. You have to be able to have these games accessible to fans. But it just boils down to winning. That's what it is. Pacer fans are skeptical. I mean, every time you really start to believe, yeah, they – you know, they'll drop a game to Charlotte or Chicago or Portland or anything like that that becomes a little bit of a setback to have fans being a little bit skeptical. But yeah. this team right now, they're so good offensively. I mean, they're they're scoring the ball at a historic rate. They're number one in a ton of categories. But it comes down to, hey, we've already gained three more nationally televised games than what we had initially been, you know, slated for. We mm -hmm. still have a national televised game against Boston in January. But if we can get into the playoffs, not the play-in, get into the playoffs and make some noise, push a series to, say, six, seven games, dare I say, win a first-round series, that's going to really attract everybody talking about this team. Because let's put it this way. When we pushed Chicago to six games, when they were the one seed and we were the eight seed, David West looked at us differently and said, mm -hmm. you know what? I could be the missing piece on that team. If we could just have a little bit of a run, not even win a first-round series, but make some noise in a first-round series, someone will look at us and say, I think I'm the one that can get them to the next level. And that's what I'm really hoping for. You don't get that feeling when a team gets bounced in the play-in game, you know, in one game. You got to make the playoffs. No, you're right. And I and I think that 
no matter how you look at it, people want to go where the money is at, where the good locations are at, and where they can win. And guys will sacrifice a good location if they know that it's going to be a, a destination that allows them to win basketball games. And we got the money. We do have the money, and I think that we're definitely headed in the right direction with what we're trying to do. But this question that comes up next, I think, is going to be another good conversation that we can talk about a potential move. So this is from Chase, uh, and he wants to know, he has two questions. He said, would Buddy, Ben Matherin, and three first be enough to trade for Mikhail Bridges? Mikhail is the only player I'd be willing to trade Matherin for. Now, question number two says, if Miles doesn't re-sign after next season, do you feel comfortable with Jalen being the starting center of the future? I just want to say I'm with you as it relates to Mikel Bridges being like that only player that I'm really open to pretty much, you know, giving the treasure chest up for. But when you say Buddy, Ben, and three firsts, I know it sounds like a lot, but that's probably what would be needed for Brooklyn to entertain that conversation because we heard they turned down four first-round picks. Now, Buddy obviously expiring. I don't know if he would factor into Brooklyn's plans in the future. Matherin, definitely not just a first-round pick. I think you're, you've seen enough to say, okay, this isn't just a, a shot in the dark. This guy can play. But, man, it's it's a lot. I think if the Pacers did the deal, I think I would say, okay, you know what? I feel good about it. If Brooklyn turned them down, I think I could also justify it and say that that's too much. So I, I think that, that that offer would need to be presented for Brooklyn to take us any seriously at all. As for the next question, if Miles doesn't resign, would I feel comfortable with Jalen Smith as a starting center? I would not. I think that Jalen Smith is a really good backup center in this league, really good role player. If he is your starting center, I wonder what your expectations are. I don't think that you could say we expect to be a playoff team. I think that Jalen Smith is a one of the better backup centers in this league. Couldn't really say it better myself, especially with the Jalen Smith comment. I mean, I like Jalen and Isaiah, and I think Isaiah has taken strides, but I still feel like both yes. of them right now, to me, feel like backup bigs in the league. And, you know, Miles, to me, while he can be wildly inconsistent and very frustrating at times with the level of play that he plays with, I still think that he is head and shoulders above those two guys in terms of his consistency, just because he's been in a lot of big games. He knows exactly what he needs to do. And he's gotten more comfortable with who he is as a player and isn't trying to become somebody that he's not. So if they, if they lose miles, they have to find the right type of center, but that's why I threw out a couple of weeks ago, might've even been last week when I threw out the idea of like going after a Nas Reed type of player mm -hmm. where I think Nas is better than Jalen and Isaiah Jackson for sure. But I also feel like yeah. he is a little bit undersized. So I don't know if that's like the perfect example. But if they can find a center that's not going to cost you 25 to $28 million a year with how they're going to try big. to build this roster, I think that, that would be the right way to go about it because I don't think Miles Turner is really worth close to $30 million a season <laughs> just based on the inconsistency many are. he plays with. Yeah. And he's not an all-star level talent. So, yeah, I know the Pacers are pushing for him to get into the all-star game. And I, I, I appreciate their efforts, but – you know, he's yeah, probably too. not going to make it averaging around 15 points a game and seven rebounds. I mean, that's not screaming all-star to me, but uh, you know uh, he's, he's had some nice games here and there, but that's, that's great. He's a good pacer. And I think he's a good fit for this organization, but yeah, the question about 
trading for Mikael Bridges. Like, if that's what it costs to get him, I think you have to think about it, especially that knowing that now that, that Ben might not be the perfect fit next to Tyrese Halliburton, and he's coming off the bench quite a bit, and he's wildly inconsistent too in terms of his defense and um, just the way he plays the game. Like There's like stretches where we've seen him be awesome and really locked in and really making the right play. And then we've also seen some times where he just gets completely lost on defense and hasn't been really, hasn't really been able to carry the load that he should. But I, I will say this, if that's what it takes to get a Mikael Bridges type of player, I, I would think long and hard about it before I would say no, but it would, it would not be an easy decision because that's a lot of assets you're giving up. It really is. And I think that's one that in the moment I'd be like, man, did we make the right choice? And then I think that once we saw Bridges in a Pacers uniform, playing next to Tyrese, playing both sides of the ball really well, we would we would sleep pretty good at night. But I, I think that there's there's no way you're getting Bridges for anything less than that. And if it's not um, Matherin, it's definitely Jarris Walker in there. There's no way that it's like someone else is slotted in there. Either way, that's what it costs to get a, a two-way player that is a fringe all-star. So I think that Bridges will eventually make an all-star game in his time. But for right now, um, hey, pretty expensive, but that that's the going rate. For sure, Fashi. Well, let's keep it moving here with our next question. Next question, Matthew Peck, faithful listener. Matthew, hope you're doing well. Nice to have you on setting the pace recently for our uh, trivia. Uh, he said, if a trade was made for a dynamic wing with length, how drastically will it change the overall play of the team? We are built completely based on space and shooting offensively. What happens if our wing doesn't excel at shooting? Would you be okay with a dramatic offensive change? This is a really good question because I do know that Tyrese Halliburton does want to play a certain way, but Tyrese Halliburton also did say after the Magic game that the way to win in the NBA is with size and that the Magic are set up for the future. And it felt like he was indirectly saying that about the Pacers not having that type of player on their roster. Now, look, I, I don't think the Pacers are going to go out there and target a guy that only is defensive-minded. I think you're going to see the Pacers go out there and target someone that is a little bit more of a two-way player. So with that being said, if they go out there and find like a defensive stopper, and I'm trying to think if there's somebody out there I can think of that's like great on defense but a no-go on offense – it's so like maybe I want to throw it like maybe Lou Dort, but I am, I mean, I don't even know. I'm trying to think like, is there somebody out there that you can think of? That's just like this great defensive player. Like uh, I was just thinking of like PJ Tucker, you know, okay. it's just like yeah. PJ Tucker's the guy that's like all but he's D. like 39. It's like, I, oh, oh, oh no. I mean, trust me. Like I'm trying to think of someone who's like, you know, just like that. And even Dylan Brooks can give you 10 or 12, you know? So yeah. it's, it's kind of like yeah. we've gotten away from that type of player in the league. I'm, exactly. I'm sure there's somebody out there that probably fits that. We're just not thinking of it right now. But if you can go out there and get a guy that's going to be a negative on offense but give you a positive on defense, like and, it, and they're like a star that can start or like a starter-level player, I think you have to consider it just, to, just based on how much shooting is already on the team. But at the same time, I, I kind of feel like this question is not relevant only because I don't think the Pacers will target someone that's going to – put them, you know, one step forward in defense, but take a step back on offense. I think they want to find someone that can be capable of being able to defend at a high level and still add offense. I completely agree. I, I just don't think they're looking to shake everything up. They're looking to get better defensively, but not at the point of sacrificing everything. 
Finishes are first in the NBA in many categories, such as scoring, field goal percentage, assists, a few others. Uh, I think that we can sacrifice some of that scoring, but you don't want to drastically take a step back. Um, when we're looking at some of the wings that we've discussed, I don't even know if we could really uh, acquire them. You know, uh, Mikel Bridges and OG Ananobi, DeAndre Hunter, those all happen to be guys that are also good three-point shooters. Mm -hmm. All three of those players shoot at least 37.5% to 40% from three. So there would not be a drop-off. But, yeah, I don't think there's guys like in the past that are just, you know, they're they're on the court for one reason only because you have to be such a well-rounded player in this league. You can't just be good defensively and just not bring it offensively. But I think the Pacers like to play fast. They like their space. I don't think they want to sacrifice too much. I think they'll look for a player that fits what they're looking to do. Uh, totally agree with you there, Fox. we got two questions left. This one comes from Ben Neal, and he sent this in before the game on Tuesday. I asked for these on Monday during Christmas. So uh, this is about the starting lineup. He said, what are your thoughts on Nimhart and Neesmith both starting <laughs> alongside Tyrese, Obi, and Miles? Clearly they are the, the two best defenders that also can score, and at least for the short term, it could give us a boost to start in and, and games. We kind of already saw this happen, Fachi, but no Obi top, and Jalen Smith got the start and said, so what are your thoughts on maybe that lineup, but maybe Obi in there instead of Jalen? Uh, no, I like Jalen in there instead. Honestly, I, I know this change just happened the other night, but we needed it. We needed it. It's unacceptable to give up 140 points. What feels like once a week. And I know it's an exaggeration, but it happens more often than what we'd like. When we just saw the Pacers throw in their better defenders, their best defenders, Andrew Nemhard, Aaron Neesmith, Jalen Smith, all going into the, the, the starting five, you know, it gave them a boost. It gave them a boost, and I feel that those players all gave meaningful minutes. I think right now Obi Toppin should come off the bench. I think Buddy should come off the bench. I just think that Buddy has been too hot and cold. I think he's been more cold for for uh, than hot, but I think that defensively is really where there's that liability. So the the change had to happen, and I, I liked what I saw. Yeah, I'll be interested to see if it's a long-term thing with Jalen Smith or if it was just a matchup thing against the Rockets. We'll, we'll have to kind of keep our eyes on that against the Bulls and see what they do tonight against them. But I will say this. To me, it does make some sense to kind of maybe put Obi back in the starting five with that group just so you don't have three minus defenders coming off the bench together. It's a lot, and yeah. If you can play Obi at the four with the starters and have Nisma play at the three, does that open up an opportunity for Jairus to get into the rotation a little bit more? Because Rick Carlisle did talk about how he had two really good games against uh, during the G League Winter Showcase, but then that championship game against New York, he just really didn't play great and didn't have a lot of presence. And I thought it was interesting how he talked about that and just said that, you know, Jairus is going to have that opportunity. But it almost sounded like if Jairus would have played like three great games in the Winter Showcase and really been dynamic for all three of those games, maybe they would have given him the nod a little bit and kind of said, okay, let's see what you can do. But because he kind of took a step back in that championship game, the way Rick Carlisle was talking on the radio this morning, uh, or excuse me, Tuesday morning, it felt like he was kind of alluding to the fact that, okay, maybe they're not as ready to play him as maybe they thought they would after he had a nice showing against Minnesota. But that would be my only hope is maybe you get him a little bit more of an opportunity by starting Obi instead of going bigger with Jalen at the four and kind of eliminating Jairus' potential minutes. But I, I I do say this. I only reason I like it is because of the not having them minus three defenders off the bench and, and Buddy, Ben, and Obi. And then I, I, I do like Tyrese and Obi's chemistry better than 
you know, anybody else that's on the roster for Obi Toppin. So if he only plays 12 to 15 minutes a night and he starts like the first six minutes of first and third quarter, like, and that's the majority of his minutes, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you definitely want to have some sort of balance. You don't want your bench unit to just be uh, atrocious defensively. But obviously, Bruce Brown will be returning, and I think that that could balance some things out. Maybe it's Bruce Brown going to the bench, or maybe it's Aaron, it's Andrew Nembhard going back to the bench. I don't know what it'll be, but I think the Pacers will find some sort of balance. But for the last question that, uh, that we have, uh, John Geese said, how many All-Stars? Will the Pacers have, if any? Last name Halliburton, first name Tyrese. Signed till delivered. That's, that's all we're it. getting. Th- that's it. I mean, we talked about it earlier. There is, and I don't, this isn't a knock on the team. There's zero scenario where anyone else would even be considered. Like, you talked about it. Yeah, they're trying to be like, hey, you know, Turner even said, hey, you'll see me there. That, that's the type of confidence you He'll want your player to have. Yeah, he'll be there. He'll be there. Not on the court. But I think at this point, the Pacers don't have the record to back it up. And Turner doesn't have the numbers to back it up. And and neither would any other player. I think the Pacers have an opportunity to have players representing All-Star Weekend. Like maybe Obi Toppin in the dunk contest. I don't know. We haven't heard anything about the dunk contest yet. Buddy Heald in the three-point contest. I think that, that would be cool. I think they have that type of opportunity for representation. But for the game itself, it's simply just Tyrese Halliburton, and he is not a borderline all-star like last year. He's not a wannabe all-star like they tried to say last year. He's a definite all-star this year. No ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah, I think the only thing that's really hurting the Pacers um, from getting to, like you said, is the record, but also just the market. Like Even if they were like a, like a Milwaukee level of – not talent, but record-wise, I still don't think they would get two guys, especially since there's not been one second person on this team to really kind of step up and be that guy. And that's why you want to see them go out there and trade for somebody. But, yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, I, I root for guys on the Pacers, obviously, to do well. I don't want anybody to fail or not make the all-star team. Like, I want everybody that can potentially to make it to make it. But if we're being realistic here, Tyrese Halliburton is the only one that's going to make it. And there's probably a good chance he doesn't even start based on the fact that there's going to be bigger name players and bigger markets that will probably get more of the fan vote type of weighted amount of votes compared to Tyrese. And um, if he does start, I'll be excited. I I won't be shocked, but I will be a little bit more shocked if he does start versus just being a reserve right now at this point. I would love for him to start. I think that would be so cool. But yeah, I mean, Where's he at in the fan voting? He's obviously a lot more po- – I mean, obviously we don't know now, but I'm saying he's a lot more popular this year than he was last year. And I saw that through the in-season tournament, he was the player in the NBA that saw the biggest rise on social media followers. And having his name you know, in, in highlights from you know the NBA.com and other sites, so I think that his presence has definitely grown a lot, but he's not a shoo-in to be a starter by any means. I think the one thing that he is a lock is to be the, the only pacer in the all-star game because we don't have the record to back it up. We don't have that second star that we talked about before. And there are much bigger names out there that I think that have better records that you know could still be able to have two players in 
over the Pacers. Like right now, you know, Boston's going to have a few guys. Milwaukee's going to have a few guys. Tyrese Maxey, definitely deserving of being an all-star. Him and Embiid. So now you're talking about there's three all-stars, uh, two all-stars minimum on the Celtics, Bucks, and Sixers. Then you start to go down the list, and it's like, what about the Orlando Magic? They have the record to yeah, back Paul. it up. Will they have an all-star? Yeah, so it's like Paolo can make the game, and obviously, you know, the Heat are going to have at least one. Probably And two. the Knicks will have some. It's just like, you know, the Knicks will have Jalen Brunson, may- maybe Randall. I would say, you know, probably the two of them could very well be in there. And then you got Cleveland's got, you know, Donovan Mitchell. And it's just, it's really competitive out there. that There's no scenario the Pacers will have two. But fun question, going to be a really fun weekend. And Alex, that includes the mailbag for this episode. If you if your answer, your question, your mail was not read, if you're not, there's still far more mail to be read in the near future. Yeah, we will record that episode after we record our post-game podcast recap against the Chicago Bulls on Thursday. We will double up and do the next part of the mailbag. So thank you all so much for your questions. But Fachi, please let the people know where they can find us at on social media as we close this one out. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PacersPodSTP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPodSTP. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to youtube.com slash setting the pace of Pacers podcast where you can find all of our video content. Ladies and gentlemen, hit that subscribe button. Welcome to the YouTube page. We want to see you. We want you to be a part of the YouTube family. But with that being said, Fachi, if you're open the Pacers, pick a big uh, another victory up tonight against the Chicago Bulls and hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.